Thank you for listening to the Content Magazine Podcast, Conversations with Silicon Valley's Creatives. I'm Daniel Garcia, your host and the cultivator of Content Magazine, published by SV Creates. Hello, welcome to the Content Magazine Podcast. I'm Daniel Garcia, the cultivator of Content Magazine, and we are here at the San Jose Institute of Contemporary Art with Rhonda Holberton, and she has an exhibition here called A Knotted World. Rhonda, you're also at San Jose State in the digital media design. What's your role and what's your title with that? Perfect, thank you. Um, I teach in the digital media art area. Um, I am an assistant professor, just got tenure, so in like September will be associate professor, and then I am associate chair for the department, which means more administrative work and less of the art and fun teaching part, but it also is helping kind of integrate my practice a little, and the department a little bit more within the community here at San Jose, in San Jose, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah, and you were were teaching at Stanford too before. Yeah, so I I, I cut my teeth uh, at Stanford um, in experimental design, kind of crossing between um, the art department and experimental design. Okay. The design components of that have now kind of merged completely within the art department, but I got to design a couple new classes oh. when I was teaching there. Awesome. Uh, so, and those have made their way into my teaching practice at San Jose State. So. They are definitely inflected and influenced by my work. Yeah. Um, one, well, that's the thing. You, yeah. The whole time you were teaching, you were also a producing creative artist at the same time. You haven't stopped. stopped. No. Yes, yeah, so you're, you're a pretty busy person. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like to find syner- synergy between the teaching practices yeah. and the studio practices. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really good for the students sure. uh, to have those experiences. Um, yeah. In addition to those, I'm also working on a, a couple grants that are more community focused, okay. which are necessarily um, include the students okay. um, around ethics and technology and s- digital stewardship. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So then let's, before we kind of get into the details of the type of digital work and media that you're with, um, I saw that you began out kind of more in sculpture. It's kind of like your art form. How did you, how did you first get into art growing up? And then we'll talk about how that transferred into engineering and what you're doing now. But what was your home like? How did you get into art and, yeah. and creativity? You know, I think it, it was like the most rebellious thing I could think of. <laughs> my, my dad was an engineer and my mom was uh, in business. And so... Okay. Um, I always make the joke now that artists make engineers and engineers make artists. Yeah. Um, for me, the, those two practices are intimately coupled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I, you know, I knew that I wanted to be an artist at a very young age, um, and I really liked sculpture because it could be anything. Right. So my undergraduate degree was in sculpture, um, but at the time I was like also kind of dabbling in engineering practices. Okay. When I was in high school, you could take like a coding class mm-hmm. to substitute for like algebra or one of the mathy classes. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm there. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. I want to I write code. Yeah. I don't want to do these equations. You know, the kind of abstract form yeah. didn't make any sense to me, but if I could apply these kind of logical concepts, I could yeah. get there. So um, I always had coding as a back 
kind of a backup. And when I was an undergrad, I put myself through school by making jewelry and websites. Oh, and so cool. those two practices through the jewelry, I actually started playing around with CAD CAM. That was mm-hmm. my first exposure okay. um, to and like engineering 3D modeling yeah. um, practices. And then the, the website building kind of kept me fresh in code. And when I was a student at CCA, uh, California College of the Arts, there was this course taught, I think out of the video and film department, but okay. it was uh, Barney Haynes and he, what was it called? Interface, I think the class was. And it was the first time I actually kind of brought code into my sculptural practices using mm. sensors to kind of sense movement around things and actuate motors to start make drawings. And so that's also another place where some of the CAD and kind of engineering practices started coming in, yeah. into play. Yeah. So when you're younger than, I mean, you know, to get it, I, I, I always kind of think like, there, you know, there's definitely creativity and different type of art forms, but sculpture to me always... I'm kind of fascinated because were you more like um, thinking in terms already of just kind of like environment and space as kind of like you were growing and that's why you, sculpture or was it sculpture because you could do you could do something with a drill and you could do something with glue and you could do something with paint was what was kind of like the draw yeah. in that kind of I mean I think I was always thinking, even in high school, because of the place that I grew up in Northern Virginia, in many ways, it's kind of like the government version of Silicon Valley, right? They call it um, Dulles Corridor instead of Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the tech um, contractors, uh, my dad being one of them, were, were based in Northern Virginia, but it was a very, still a very, when I moved there, a very rural place. Right. And so I, I watched these farmlands kind of get steamrolled over and these, yeah. you know, subdivisions pop up. And, you know, I, m- my family, where I was, I was a part of that movement. Um, yeah. But there were, it also felt like a loss. And so mm. I was really interested I'll never forget, I was a photographer Mm. taking photos um, in one of these communities that had been built in the 70s that was being demolished (laughs) for the kind of um, updated, yeah, updated suburbs. Um, The town that I grew up in was called Reston. It was one of the first planned communities. So everything was supposed to be walkable. There were footpaths everywhere, no parking lots. You know, the shopping centers kind of faced inwards towards community centers, which totally didn't work with like car, you know, families with two cars. So they kind of bulldozed a lot of it. So on top of the bulldozing of Hmm. the farmland, I also saw this kind of, you know, the, this idea of this utopic vision of, yeah. of kind of communal living also being bulldozed. Yeah. So um, I was fascinated by those kind of two things happening, even in high school. And so one of those communities had completely been vacated. You know, people left with things in their refrigerators, you know, clothes oh. still hanging in the closet. Oh, like they just... They just yeah, bugged out. Exactly. Yeah. And because they were, it was all being bulldozed, it didn't matter if they right. you know, left stuff. So one of the families had you know, spray painted, you know, lived here from 1970, whatever, until 1997 or something. Um, and I was taking photos in uh, this community, and I could hear the bulldozers kind of coming oh, down, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. But I couldn't, when I went to, I was using this really janky, you know, whatever <laughs> I could afford at the time, film camera. And when I went to pull the film out, I couldn't. So I had to destroy the film oh, wow. to pull it out. And, like, to me, I was like, actually, that's kind of better. 
and I didn't really, I hadn't really been introduced really? to like conceptual art at mm. that time, but I think that was a catalyzing moment for me thinking yeah. that, you know, this kind of performance of trying to capture an image, the failure of the image, yeah. the kind of glitch of the camera, that yeah. it all kind of came together and really beautiful and poetic moment. Do you still have that roll of film anywhere? Oh man, I totally should have kept that it. That would have been awesome to Yeah, I still story. have this muscle memory just like feeling it kind of cut, you know? Yeah. And like I brought it into the into the dark room because I knew I would have to expose it. So I yeah. also was trying to get it out blind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there was like Did it rip or something? Oh yeah, it yeah, totally it ripped. Sprockets. You yeah. know, and then and then yeah. I was like there may might have been ways to recover it, you know, if I really tried to, but I also thought that there was the, that there was something about the loss of like recapturing yeah. these intimate moments that was yeah. felt appropriate, yeah. right? Like maybe it wasn't my image to be ta to be, be taken. It's so interesting because your your work now is, is there's so much geographical based information as well what what you're creating like you know space and then to see that even you know at a younger age kind of like seeing it, like the bulldozing technology kind of like destroying and so it's interesting are those something that you do you think you you consciously brought that through your career or was it something that you just found yourself gravitated to which would you are a mixture of both how would you say that yeah i think at the time you know i was pulling at threads whatever i, I mm. thought was interesting yeah you know like there was also this kind of crossover between like these kind of like squatter communities and I was yeah. in a punk and I was in DC. And so like the pictures that I was taking at that time kind of was following like kind of a, a anarchist. rebellious anarchist. Exactly. You know, but I was kind of more like hippie punk, you know, which like made more sense out here. I'm real like, you know, realizing later. Um, but what I, what I think when I look back, it's really easy to trace that through line. Yeah. I'm like, oh, of course I was right. just, like another, you know, I, I was interested in these marginal spaces mm -hmm. and like, like finding where like I had access to things and where I didn't and you know, where that tension was. Yeah. Um, and you know, another kind of catalyzing moment was also this abandoned farm and, mm -hmm. you know, taking photos of these like rusting machines with vines growing over them with yeah. AOL headquarters in the background. And oh. inside the headquarters is like a Boeing 70, you know, 747 in this like glass walled lobby yeah. with this like decapitating or de de decapitating decaying. with this decaying, you know, uh, vegetation and home like yeah. just yards away. And wow. so that, that was another one of those pivotal moments. And in fact, yeah, in the show, it, this show, there's works that definitely pull up, pick up on some of those. Yeah. Is it the theme of the just position and kind of like the dichotomy of those kind of things and new growth and death? Is that? Yeah, I think that kind of transfer, like it picks up on some larger thematics, mm -hmm. you know, now that I can see really yeah. clearly. Yeah. Um, and one of my current bodies of work, um, I'm working with an AI bot, this mm -hmm. kind of tension of like what it means to give birth or to create, yeah. um, which dovetails with a, a couple of the other thematics in my work. So I think that there, you know, it's really, again, in hindsight to pull these threads and to see yeah. The, yeah. the early yeah. work and the way that 
I forget who it was. Um, there's a choreographer who says that we really only have five cards as artists that we just kind of keep reshuffling oh, our hands. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. but you know, it's I, I'm happy to see that in my work. You what know? would you say for you? What's your five cards? Have you thought about that part of it? Yeah, that's actually really interesting. So I would definitely say that kind of environmental concerns. Okay. What I would. Mm -hmm. say this kind of and the crossing of technology and environmental concerns um, kind of social care and stewardship mm -hmm. that keeps coming back in my work yeah. um, and then also I think like third wave feminine like thinking about like colonialism colonialism through like a an imperialism through like a feminist lens yeah those are probably the, the, my, the top yeah. one. What's the fifth one? <laughs> I think that the, that might be. What would be the fifth one? <laughs> yeah, pushing my body and mm. technology to extremes so that we both kind of break together. Yeah. So you kind of break together. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, I did see you said something about technology. I don't know if you were quoting somebody, but he was talking about kind of like the artist's role of. Um, taking exploring the failures of the successes or something along the, the success of technology yeah. and then the the failures of, so talk about that even in these five forms that you're doing um yeah what's how do you see your role in society and your work kind of like that yeah that dichotomy of it's something i actually success and failure. talk about with my students a lot like um both practically in terms of like you know sometimes our failures as artists are are successful right mm -hmm. like their thing it might not be the end product but there's something that you learn a lot about yeah. in that failure yeah. there's also another way to kind of read that through another framework which i think in in silicon valley and in the bay area um this kind of tension between engineering perhaps uh, as like a kind of a positivist mm -hmm. like expansion yeah. versus the art practice which is a little bit more skeptical and kind of right. questioning um, so one of the things that i like to do especially when teaching and thinking you know more broadly about my role in the world yeah is to combine those two um, frameworks. Mm. So what are the ways that a project can fail if it's successful, right? And we kind of can see this in hindsight with Facebook. You yeah. know, what are the ways that yeah. Web 2.0 was yeah. actually a failure because it is so successful? Yeah. Um, and I think teasing some of those questions out before a technology is released into the world yeah. <laughs> might be a better practice. Yeah. And you can see tech companies struggling with this, you know, um, Google introduced an ethics board, which I think failed within, you know, a couple of months of its instantiation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but it's also a lot easier to do when, when you're in the engineering, you know, um, part of it, when you're in the planning stages of right. a product, rather than trying to cap cap something or yeah. put up bumper rails after the fact. Yeah. And we can see this with AI right now. I think that that's really where, you know, my kind of interest and focus has been. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, so that is that, um, would you say what, like with AI, well, like what technology kind of scares you? Like is AI kind of like in that realm of like, oh, it's, I, I'm fascinated. It's going to be so great. But also do you see the, the yeah. danger? And I mean, I think 
tech, the technology is fascinating. Okay. I do think that there is, there are ways that, like, if we're talking about artificial general intelligence, mm-hmm. which is not what we have, that's like the singularity kind of consciousness. Right. I do think that, you know, like if we ask AI in that sense, you know, how do we solve climate change? I'm afraid of what (laughs) its answer would be, right? right? You know, I think that we can all kind of follow the dots. Like, you know, if humans are causing, then, you know, yeah. yeah. Like every science fiction movie since 1942. But that is actually not my greatest concern with AI. Actually, my greatest concern with AI is not a technology problem, but a social problem. Um, We can see some of the kind of social inequities and economic inequities that technology, especially here in the Bay Area, has brought. Um, But that's not necessarily the technology's in and of itself fault. I think it's a failure of like us to kind of compensate state with regulation or kind of yeah. social programs some of and this is where like no longer anarchist kind of fully right, right, right. but activist i would but say activist, yeah. yeah i can't not care about the world that i live in and the you know what i see in yeah. the world so do you see then yourself as your role as a creator and an artist um do you see like that activism or is it just awareness or is it prophetic or, or like future scene or, you know, what would you say kind of like is the nugget that you see your I think art, artist? artists can be both. I think, yeah. you know, embedding artists, um, some of the earliest art and technology experiments, EAT experiments in art and technology were produced out of Bell Labs, which at the okay. time was like, you know, kind of a, a IT infrastructure company. Yeah. Um, and you saw uh, folks, engineers getting coupled with artists like Andy Warhol and Robert Rauschenberg, you know, to create these really like yeah. speculative projects. Yeah. Now, was the art that came out of it great? No, but I actually think, you know, getting artists and engineers in the room together to kind of talk about the possibilities of technology yeah. was really fruitful. Yeah. At the same time, I think, you know, getting philosophers, getting ethicists, getting yeah. artists in a room, you know, um, with kind of some of these technology companies early on could produce, you know, it's very different practices, right? So it's hard to kind of cross that divide. But I think artists are really good at um, creating new paths. Yeah, asking the the questions. Yeah, and figuring out how to get from A to B, right? You know, it's something I kind of talk about with my students. Um, And when I first started teaching, I was teaching primarily engineers. but so I would, you know, this is kind of focused towards them and not necessarily my art students, although I think there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. Um, but when we start thinking about, you know, how do we design products? How do we make great products? Yeah. You know, good engineers can solve problems, but great engineers know how to ask the questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think that the, there's something that's utilitarian that could be useful and like make better engineers. But I also think we can start mitigating some of the impacts, yeah. negative impacts of, of technology earlier in the stage if we get artists and the yeah. humanities Colossal, and the yeah. sciences yeah, talking totally. I think that, I mean, I think it seems like there's been a transition over the last 15, 20 years with just the, the, the designers and the engineers have kind of like come together much more than they used to be. It used to be two different departments. It seemed like people are thinking user interface and all those kind of things have kind of like made that, like have brought that about, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So then for you, when you approach your work, um, 
I'm sure it's a different for each thing, but what kind of like, is it, is it first like kind of like, oh, I want to experiment with this technology and then you kind of think in terms of producing some, or is it something like, oh, I want to try this sculpture or process and then you kind of come up with the message and the, how, what kind of, how does that all work for you in your process? Because you have, you know, you have castings over here, you have 3D imagery, you have silk with design, I mean, uh, video projection with, you know, there's, there's a vast array of stuff that you're doing. So I'm trying to think what drives your, to the conclusion of your production. Yeah, I <laughs> the think, process. you know, so going back to those, you know, five pillars or, yeah. you know, like my deck of five cards, mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of that last one that you were able to identify with me, the kind of performative aspect mm -hmm. is a, a primary focus. So I need to start playing with the technology and okay. then the ideas come. Okay. So sometimes, you know, so I started with one of the projections here, um, the uh, kind of three bodies kind of combined in this chimeric. Yeah, the, the actor was. <laughs> yeah, all the actors actress. have withdrawn. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had just started playing with the Connect sensor. Um, at the time, uh, they had opened up and provided an SDK for the sen sensor, Microsoft did. And so you could pull out the 3D data um, mm. from the sensor. And if you do, the, like, it's basically taking an image, sending out a spray of infrared dots, and based on the displacement of the dots, the sensor knows how close something is yeah. to the sensor. So if you can take these kind of slices of this 3D information and then kind of slice them back together, back together, back together, you can start yeah. Yeah, creating a 3D model. Yeah. Um, but there, were, there weren't apps yet to kind of make that easy. So I just started playing with the technology to like just like stitch this thing back together. Yeah. And I just started by kind of scanning myself. And um, I did some research into the technology itself. So I want to understand both how to use the technology, but like how it came into being. Yeah, and yeah. it turned out that the sensor technology was based on uh, technology de developed by the Israeli military. Oh, um, like most technologies, especially yeah. like sight and sensing yeah. technologies. Uh, and then Microsoft bought the, the technology directly from the engineers who were ex-military. you know ex -military. Um, and so then I started thinking about this kind of like history of this like war embedded in this now game, you know, device. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started, you know, teaching myself Krav Maga as you do, oh. and, and then taking three scans of my body in offensive and, you know, defensive positions. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it, but it's like, you know, just perform the thing and see what happens. Yeah. You know, I think it very much like painting, like laying down a brush stroke and then seeing the conversation that's having and then laying down right. another one. Yeah. Um, but when I imported the, the scans, the kind of 3D objects into the 3D modeling program, I had all of the, all of the scans in they all go to the same place and they're all on top uh, of one another. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God, that's it. It's perfect. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Yeah. And like, I think that's all that it needs to be. Yeah. So I just, you know, have the, uh, this rotating, rotating body yeah. on acrylic. Yeah. yeah that's good. So it's, it's, so in some ways it's, it's kind of just curiosity and playing like yeah. you're playing and, you know, but I, I would just think the in the technology aspect of it, I feel like it adds, a lot more dedication and time. I think like, you know, I mean, of course, a painter, of course, but if you're painting, there's an instant kind of gratification, but this is like, there's the, the process of 
scanning and then figuring out the code, bringing it in. Yeah. Quite a, I don't know, it seems like it's very involved. Well, I mean, I think that that's part of my brain likes to take things apart and figure out yeah, how, okay. how it works. Yeah. You know, part of me is very much interested in this kind of activism and understanding where things came from and where they're going. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's that like embedding myself performatively with the technology, but yeah. also, you know, there's a there's a lot of what I would call pleasure mm -hmm. in, in the hard engineering for me. Yeah. So, you know, even though it takes time, you know, painting takes time. I think, you know, I, I recently <laughs> had a show with paintings, which I've actually never done, but like made in concert with AI. And so it's just, you know, again, kind of pressing up into uncomfortable spaces yeah. with me and yeah. my body. So I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say, oh, it's, you know, I do think the technology brings in a very specific conversation in a way that would be hard to do with paint mm. because I, I don't have to jump through as many, you know, hoops to get to the conversation that I want to have about technology because yeah. I'm using the technology already. Right. It's already there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I started to ask you like, but what technology kind of scares you right now? What's the thing that you're kind of like, Oh, this is like a powder keg or this, is there anything in particular? Yeah. I mean, so the part, again, the part of, of the AI that I'm most afraid of, it is AI, of course, like what, yeah. you know, um, that I'm most afraid of is actually kind of an artifact of web two, which is, you know, humans misuse or mm. like use of the technology for nefarious ends. Yeah. Right. And totally. we already have such a kind of, you know, fractured pu public, right. We yeah. don't have, you know, com communities that yeah. agree on reality anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and if we're already on a slippery slope with like what, like which reality we're living in, if we can generate, real looking things yeah. automatically yeah. it's going to it's going to accelerate that kind of divide and i think you know we're just you know we're not we have our brains our bodies are like the human biological body you know yeah. has not caught up to technology yeah you know the the things that get us riled up and the things that motivate us to act were really really great when you know there's a wolf coming at you, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but maybe if you're just like sitting there on email, you know, and the yeah. same, you know, hormones are going through your body, that's maybe not the most healthy thing, both yeah. for the individual, but also for, for the community. Yeah. Then what do you think, what is the future of humanity with this? I mean, you know, with technology, what do you kind of see, um, is there hope for us? I do think so. <laughs> and here's why. <laughs> So the things that AI will be good at are the things that are kind of high value right now. So, you know, good design and, you know, writing code. So those are high value activities. So yeah. we're going to go through growing pains while the things that are high value and high labor value in terms of labor start becoming less valuable. Yeah. Um, but I also think that that's good because it's going to mean that people with resources are going to care about things like UBI and like what, you know, what it means to be a human and like how we should care for all humans in yeah. the world. Um, but I also think that it's going to do something interesting where we're going to need poets to write code. Right. Like, yeah. I think it's going to do a good thing for humans. The things that are really enjoyable for us, these might actually become high value again. Right. Yeah. And so I do think that there's hope, but I think, you know, there's a lot of 
And then there are social problems, there are social political problems. Yes. Um, but I don't think they're insurmountable, right? Like, yeah. it's not inevitable, like the way that we live right now and, you know, the internet, how it works, it's not inevitable. Like, it's, it was always a decision that somebody made, and I tell, yeah. you know, this to my students all the time, hmm. we can write better rules. It's going right. to be hard, yeah. but, like, this is not inevitable. Yeah. We, we can write better rules yeah. for, that take care of more people. Yeah, yeah. I guess the thing is, like, afarious people are just as creative as... Uh, ethical people too right yeah. so that's the thing I think no matter what you do like a knife is great for cutting meat but it can also kill exactly. somebody I mean that's the scary thing how do you there's nothing that you can produce that can't be abused unfortunately right yeah. exactly and I think yeah. you know AI you know if we want to go down the like rap, create rabbit hole like yeah. some of the things that make it so powerful are the same things that I think make it the most like very dangerous right so yeah totally I've been thinking a lot about the ways that the camera r changed creative practices for artists. Yeah. Um, and when, when the photo photographic process first came about, we said painting was dead, yeah, right? right? But it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. The fact that this technology could capture reality in, in this you know, amazing, with amazing detail, yeah. meant that painters were no longer beholden to creating realistic images. Yeah. And so it Opened exploded, up. right? So I'm really, ex that's a, you know. Now, so where, what are the ways that the camera is the same uh, to AI? And what, how is AI different? And you know, mm. AI, the camera can do one thing really well. Yeah. So it kind of touched a segment of society that, you know, wanted to reproduce the world. AI can reproduce the world. It, it can make a picture. It can make a painting. It can, you know, yeah. guide a self-guided missile. It yeah. can, you yeah. know, it can yeah. write more code. It can replicate itself. Yeah. So I think that the ways that we've kind of thought about, you know, disruption in the past mm -hmm. might not be useful when we think about this kind of disruption that cuts across so many different industries yeah. and activities. Yeah. Now, um, now you're starting to work with like AI and chat GP type creative mm -hmm. tools, right? Yeah. And yeah. how's, how's your experience been with that? What are you finding out? What's making you excited about that? Yeah. I mean, I started it because of my anxieties <laughs> around okay. the technology, yeah, sure. which is frequently what I do, right? Like something that I don't understand. So let me play with it so that I at least understand what this thing is. Yeah. Um, so I started, you know, just kind of, you know, with the easy access chat GPT, yeah. uh, Dolly, which are both open AI uh, pl platforms. Um, and so then I started kind of understanding what it could do. I was like, okay, well, I still don't really know what the project is, but I'm going to like meditate on some of these anxieties, what it means to create, what it means to mm. be mm. Uh, a shepherd of creation yeah. uh, or a steward of creation, yeah. you know, on the planet and create these sculptures in my mind and then see how close I can get Dolly to creating these sculptures. Yeah. And so, you know, it actually did, you know, like I, it was a back and forth, this kind of play, this dialogue with it. Yeah. And then the, the sculptures that were the most interesting or the closest to my vision, I took those prompts and then I put them into ChatGPT mm. and asked it to create a speculative fiction story, kind of oh. set, yeah, a thousand <laughs> years in the future, yeah. kind of like, and, and talk about the creation of these entities. Right. Um, and then, you know, sometimes it like produces beautiful, amazing text, and then sometimes like, you know, it like creates a, 
we've already established that humans are extinct in this future. <laughs> um, but then, like, it does creates... that happen a lot? Do you find? No, okay. it's actually something that, like, the because ChatGPT is trained, yeah, trained on a, a bunch of data where it's like trying to figure out what I want and it's like oh you want a story let's tell a story about like a human hero like saving the day right and so I kept reintroducing these characters I'm like remember GPT like (laughs) you've already made you know humans are now extinct Um, but then it would do things like it it created this global network of the sculptures that I created um, connected by a marble root system and the sculptures started communicating with one another and I was like, oh, my God. It's like, cool. please explain, describe, you know, like, what, how are they communicating? And it was like, you know, oh, they're, they're, they use the, the sounds are like clicks, chirps, and hums. Okay. I was like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. So I kind of, you know, stuck that in my pocket. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then um, asked, then I took uh, those kind of surprising moments and asked ChatGPT, or back to Dolly, to create images of those kind of, you know, strange transitional moments that were completely fabricated, like not a part of my original vision. Right. And so I created paintings with those, um, both, you know, the image of the painting was created and then I would actually paint the image. And then um, those, those frames became the first frames of animations that I use another system uh, built on top of stable diffusion called um, Deforum, which is another kind of more code-based okay. um, yeah. AI. And then the, took those images and then made and seeded the first frame with the, the paintings and then kind of had animations that moved through each chapter of the story that ChatGPT had created. And then wow. while I was playing with that, I found another. Uh, oh, so stable diffusion. I know. Yeah. <laughs> stable Opened diffusion is a, a open source, and so a lot of uh, technologists have built apps on top of it. So uh, Deforum being one of them for animations, um, and then another one was called Refusion, and it creates black and white images called spectrograms. Oh, okay. And when you read a spectrogram back into an audio program, it creates a really complex audio. So it's a, it's basically a visualization of the sound for like 10 seconds. Huh. So I then asked Refusion to create the sounds of, that ChatGPT had created of these things communicating with one another. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So are you... is. Is kind of the goal though when you're putting in the prompts and stuff like that is to get it to it with like refining it, but you're not actually like, especially like the story part, you're not going and editing it yourself. You're just re giving new prompts to kind of steer it and correct it. And because yeah. you kind of want to get to a point where it, it's com- in some ways completely generated by the computer. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, the prompts, you're definitely involved. I exactly. Mean, so, you know, the the raw material, like just coming out of the machine is like, for me, would be unusable. Yeah. Right. There's like parts of it that are too like squirmy. Pedantic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, oh, that's like a poem that I would write when I was 12 or, right. you know, like just yeah. a little cringe, <laughs> yeah. as the kids say. <laughs> um, so, but, but I think that there's a lot in there that is recoverable, right? And yeah. so one of the things that um, I was teaching, I think it was an embodied interface class at Stanford and came across a sci-fi writer who would use chatbots, like early versions of chatbots, to pr- like produce dialogue hmm. for his characters because it was, you know, coming from somewhere else. And yeah. he wouldn't use the dialogue coming out of the chatbot one-to-one because it was, again, like not 
Yeah. Unrecoverable, but there are moments in it that like spark his own creativity so that he's able to kind of play with it. And so that's kind of the way that I feel like it's working. And part of my questions, you know, in that show is like, is can can AI generated content be considered art, right? And like right. if if we say it is art, because now it's in a gallery and it's made by me, so I think <laughs> we like works. answered that yeah. question. Yeah. But like, is it interesting? And right. what does it mean? You know, like what like what is my relationship to it? You know, do I feel that kind of proximity, that closeness of yeah. creation? And then what are other people's like relationship to the work? Because yeah, all art, I think, we're trying to you know connect you know humans are trying to connect through artistic yeah. gesture yeah. so does that still hold well that's the thing right i mean it's just another tool that you're using for inspiration like you're talking about you did this and then you found this right so if you go to watch a movie that might inspire you to write a song exactly. right so that it's still going through the human interface yeah and so that's you know another interesting question what are the ways that like an ai is different than Mm -hmm. like a human me that's taking in all of the content of the world and then kind of synthesizing it and then making a thing based on all of my combined experiences right it's it's not that i'm you know not referencing all of the information that i've been able to experience in, in, in my life it's just that you know, my lived experience can only hold so much information and the AI can hold, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like orders yeah. of magnitude more, yeah. right? And so it's it's calling on like the combined information available to it, yeah. Yeah. which is not something that I can do. And it can find patterns in that information that I, as human, because I have limited experience, yeah. I can't and do. And skills too, right? Yeah. Like if I was to try to draw, I wouldn't be able to do it. But if I used... A computer to help me bring the vision yeah. right I'm still creating it but I don't have that particular skill but it's a different skill set exactly to, and so you know I don't think in paintings like I don't yeah. think that way like I do make images some of the images are more painterly mm-hmm. but I don't you know like it's I, I don't come up with like a 2d plane that can kind of unfold co- the conversations that I want to have yeah but I, I was able to in some ways with you know or was I I guess like I think I think I did. That's I cool. think I did it with the painting. Like, what exhibition is that? What's the? That was just it just came ended down like last, last week. week. Yeah. but it was at Colt Amy Freeberg, right. and it was called uh, Two Handfuls of Silver Dust." Yeah, and then, yeah, are you going to have pieces from that here at the ICA in the future or something? I'm sure. Maybe. I think so. We'll. We'll <laughs> <laughs> be Yeah. So then, um, what would you say for you? What is your kind of like guiding like philosophy of life how do you not just for your work but for you as a just a person you know get away from the the doer but the beer like what like how do you approach this world like you know my mom would always say you know leave if we're if we're guests somewhere you know leave the space better than we found it Mm -hmm. right like as kind of just a a way of being polite in the world but I actually really take that to heart and I think you know what are the ways that I can leave the world Mm. slightly better than I found it yeah and I think it's hard you know it's a hard thing to do as a human in the 21st century but um I think my art is an attempt to do that through conversations like this right but I also think my teaching practice is a, a lot of a lot of that too and so how do I 
how do I show through my own practice, but also through teaching, that folks who might not think about themselves as technologists, mm. um, that they can do it, right? And even if they are not interested in pursuing that professionally, I think exposing, you know, some of the mystery yeah. around these engineering practices, which like, you know, seems so fancy <laughs> and so hard to do, is like, no, you, you can write a line of code, Let, let's do it, right? And so you demystify that. Yeah. And then I think people can be better agents in the world themselves because they understand how things come into being. Yeah, that's cool. So you're trying to leave this place better. I'd like to. <laughs> I don't know right? if that's a right yeah. sentence. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just like, but like maybe you don't, right? I mean, yeah. there are always you know, unintended consequences and, you know, you know, you, something that is better for you might not be better for someone else. Yeah. But I think, you know, paying attention and, and being kind um, and following your inspiration you know, hmm. this kind of dovetails with the AI conversation. Yeah. I like to tell my students, you know, it's, it's my practice is very research based, yeah. but I do a lot of research and then I have these like weird moments of inspiration, right? right. And that is, you know, what is an AI if like not that? Right, <laughs> that, it's all right? kind of like a research. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Your intuition is nothing but your kind of best guess based on the sum total of your experiences. And yeah. that, that's something uniquely human and something to be taken seriously and to pay attention to. Yeah. Okay, so then let's say for here at the Institute of Contemporary Art, your current show, Not a Knotted World, yeah. um, how do, in what way is this leaving the world better? Right. What, do you, what was the themes you were So the, the work here covers about 10 years of production. Mm -hmm. And the way that I work are kind of in these thematics. Like even if they're separate pieces in an exhibition, they all kind of have a conversation together. So this is the first time I saw a lot of these pieces in the same space yeah, together. Okay. Um, but I think a, a lot of the these pieces here are kind of again, made 10-ish years apart, but, but obviously related. <laughs> um, and they're looking at ways that technology specifically and, and military mm -hmm. technologies make their way into the intimacies of everyday life mm -hmm. and the ways that we as humans kind of hold in our bodies these technologies, yeah. a very cyborgian mm -hmm. kind of uh, thought. And also ways that we can play with our material world and, and technologies to better understand our impact in the world and the, and the material impacts that uh, digital signals have. Yeah, so for instance, so then the, the tying in, so the, the back camouflage, military, um, and then the scanning of the... Uh, the act, I'm sorry, what was the title again? That All the actors have withdrawn. Right, so that was a military scanning device. Yeah. And then in the room there, the best of both worlds, yeah. how does that then tie in, it, into that theme of kind of what you're talking about? This, well, I guess it ties into the cyborg. Talk yeah, about that. the cyborgian body. Yeah. So one of the things, you know, uh, that I frequently kind of tease out when I'm thinking about the cyborg is, you know, if the power goes out today and does not right. come back on, right, like most of our our most of us wouldn't really make it, right? Like, wouldn't fare too well. So the idea that we're, we're a cyborgian or, or reliant on technology mm -hmm. for our biological processes is very much already. It doesn't, we don't need the technology on us or in us. Like, right. we're, already, we're already there. Yeah. Um, so when I was working with the 3D scanning of all the actors have withdrawn, you know, this is kind of a, a, a the technology wasn't quite 
there yeah. yet, right? Like the scans are really broken and kind of distorted. And what I saw when I kind of was looking at the scans, I had this flash of the body, this broken pixelated mm-hmm. body going through a yoga sequence to like trying to repair itself. Yeah. So I didn't know how to animate yet. So I had to teach myself those skills, wow. uh, but that became uh, best of both worlds. Right. Yeah. So, um, so this... that's kind of very much a piece on, um, thinking in terms of like the cyborg, the, the physicality and the digital. And then, um, were you kind of thinking in terms that like you're doing yoga in your real world and it's, it's restorative and healing. And then can that be brought into the AI world where a computer would do its own calisthenics or something? Is that kind of what you're playing with? Or? Exactly. I think so. You know, <laughs> like, look, like when I was making it, I had a, an undiagnosed autoimmune disorder and I was just starting to feel some of the, uh, yeah, some, some of that in my body, but I hadn't yeah. put a name to it. And yeah. I was like, oh, well maybe it's just stress or, you know, you know, the way that I just hunch over a computer for hours. Sure. Right. And yeah. so I was thinking a lot about the ways that technologies orient the body, mm-hmm. um, but also the way that the body gets distorted when it's tr- when it's kind of pulled through the screen and kind of put pushed out in the world yeah. again. Yeah. So it's kind of like our interaction with technology is is altering us like definitely like sitting at the computer is affecting us and even looking at the phone and changing our social structures yeah yeah. physically changing us but also like shaping the way that we see the world and in so doing shaping the way that we kind of create and design new technologies right so there's this circular in and out of the machine yeah so then would you we're going to move into more medical scientific philosophy but um say they had some sort of digital implant that you could have that would restore you from um, like your physical health. Would you jump on that these days or? I, you know. And become a cyborg? Probably. (laughs) Would you (laughs) become a cyborg? because I'm in so much pain all the time. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the, one of the, like one of the things I'm dealing with is uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, which is like kind of a constant state of inflammation and pain. Um, And so I think I would be brought physically through desperation to wanting to use it. But I think that would be a intention with, you know, I was actually really slow to adopt using a cell phone Mm. like Mm. all of all of i don't have use like the face recognition i've never used a thumbprint so you know like so i actually um i'm very interested in privacy you know data rights and privacy rights online um but i honestly think that you know given the option you know we have these meat sacks (laughs) you know that that live and and they age and then they die yeah and i think you know you see a lot of this the technologists you know what do they do when they have unlimited resources right you know a lot of them are trying to become immortal right and and i think that you know there is a the fear of not being in the world any longer yeah i don't necessarily have that um Maybe I just need 10 years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah. what I have is a fear of being in this world and not being able to do, do the things that I want to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, if there was a, a technology that could 
mitigate pain and mitigate pain for so many people, yeah. then I actually think that that would be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, if I was good to write a story, jumping off right here would be awesome. Like you, like in this interface between technology and art. I was one of the first ones to get an implant. And then you become this real cyborg art project yourself, yeah, right? Wouldn't that yeah. be kind of cool? I would, yes, let's do it. You would, take it to the, you would take the performance spatial art to a whole level. I mean, next this level. is the thing, too, is like <laughs> part of the reason why I want to solve the climate crisis is because we're on the verge of so many cool things. Like I've always been, mm. you know, like as weary as I am technology, yeah. I am also so fascinated by it. I've always yeah. been into like science fiction and like possible futures. And it's like, if we can create technology that does more good than harm, it's about to get so weird and so wonderful that yeah. I want to see that future. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be here. And this ex uh, exhibition at the San Jose Institute of Contemporary Art goes to August 13th. Yes. Um, that so, sounds right. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're going to make sure that you come. And what's your social media? Why don't you tell us your social media handles so people... Rhonda Holberton, my name. That's yeah. very confusing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks. That's it. Thank you for listening to the Content Magazine podcast. Follow us on social media at Content Mag. Become a member and help us to continue to tell the stories of the South Bay creatives. This episode's music is 408 by Jack Pavlina. Follow him on Spotify and also on his Instagram at Jack Pavlina Music. <laughs>